Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have awesome news for you. Our partners at Bet Online, they're getting the job done. They're the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And all you have to do is head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. You get the bonus, you get into the action with Bet Online from early NFL futures to Major League Baseball and the fights and everything in between. Get started today with Bet Online, where the game starts. MyHotTub.com is a global leader in the hot tub industry with over 25 years of experience. Their hot tubs are built in the United States with the highest standards of quality control, an extensive warranty, and customer service representatives available seven days a week. They offer free shipping to your home with factory direct pricing and incredible financing plans. Visit online at MyHotTub.com or stop in Destiny USA today. MyHotTub.com. Whether online or in person, you better hurry because these spas won't last. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, CastBox, you name it. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Rosie's Corner, Burton Ace Hardware, and our terrific friends over at the Al and Angus Pub. If you're in and around Central New York, stop by for the best darn Angus burger in town. They've also got an unbelievable array of uh, wraps, salads, homemade soups, and more. It's a terrific, terrific place to go eat. Awesome beers on tap. Before and after all the big events in Central New York, get there. My friends at the Allen Angus Pub are doing it right. Gift cards are always available. And a huge special thanks to the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the program, as well as Stanley Law Offices and Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. Our next guest is incredibly uh, accomplished, and you can get him on Twitter, at Sal Marinello. He's a common sense fitness and coaching uh, expert, and of course, uh, S&C, 30 plus years of experience at strength and conditioning, of course, and uh, look, coaches athletes at all levels, youth to professional, and he's debunking myths on a daily basis. You can recently uh, hear him on the Coaching Kernan podcast, uh, really great spot uh, with, with those guys. Uh, it's just such great information. For all ages, especially parents who have kids in sports and uh, baseball fans who are, you know, frustrated with the game today, the fundamentals, the teaching, um, all the things that have disappeared in the analytic world. Let's bring them in right now. Very accomplished uh, strength and conditioning and fitness uh, instructor and expert. It's Sal Marinello again on Twitter at Sal Marinello. Sal, what's up, buddy? How are you? Good, Mike. Thanks for having me. Let's start first of all for my listeners who haven't, you know, listened yet to the Coach and Kernan podcast, which they should. It's a terrific, terrific uh, uh, show. Give my listeners your background, you know, wh- how it all started, when it started, and just kind of go all over the place with that in terms of getting okay. uh, an intro in here for, for the people listening. Okay, so I grew up uh, an athlete. Um, uh, I grew up here in, in central North Jersey. I uh, was an athlete through high school, went to college. I went to Lehigh University, played football. You know, back when I was going through that uh, time period, uh, the fitness profession wasn't really an option. You know, I came from a town where people had Wall Street jobs, corporate jobs. So I went that path for about five years, four years, and um, after graduation of Lehigh, and it wasn't for me. And I had an opportunity to go work at, at the time, 
personal training facility in Manhattan. It was a, a very high level place called Plus One Fitness Clinic that had uh, it was really uh, the forerunner of the business um, uh, that started personal training as a re- I, I call it a retail service, and they had uh, uh, orthopedic doctors on not only on on staff but on site. We had a, a major location in the World Financial Center, and from that. Uh, I got brought in as the director of marketing sales. And because of my athletic background, I became uh, a staff trainer there. And that started my journey into the field of coaching. So at the time, I started getting my certifications from USA Weightlifting, from the National Strength Conditioning Association, and then opened my own place out here in suburban New Jersey on that private personal training model and started coaching in the mid-90s at the high school and youth level. And I've been a head strength coach at various high schools in New Jersey, as well as coached lacrosse and football. Been uh, uh, as high as an assistant head coach at a couple of successful programs here. And also coached at the college level uh, at all three levels of college, D1, 2, and 3. I've coached both individual sports. I've I've coached both sports and been a head strength coach at all three of those levels. And uh, in addition to keeping my, my practice up, my business up on the side, which deals with, you know, people like you and I, uh, everyday folk trying to keep fit, be healthy. And in our area, gyms are kind of crazy. So I've always had a private, uh, either a, a one-on-one business I had for 20 years. And now I'm in a smaller space where it's really a, a more, more intimate private setting. And I still work with uh, high-level athletes as well as, like I said, Weekend warriors, people who are just on the go trying to stay fit. Uh, and through my travels, both of working with teams and seeing injury problems in certain sports and individuals who come to me from a pretty diverse group of both sports and colleges and high schools, I see these training programs, which are garbage. And this ties into my relationship with Kevin Kernan, who was one of our uh, members on the podcast, the Coaching Kernan podcast. About 24 years ago, 23 years ago, he was one of the first sports writers to include his email address in his columns. Mm-hmm. And he had written something about the size of Barry Bonds' head apparently getting bigger uh, along with the rest of him. And at the time, I had this little dinky blog when blogs were, were still on the fringes of what people did. And was able to send Kevin stuff I had written about my, my, my position of drugs and uh, training in baseball, and from that, my relationship kept with Kevin grew on the on the basis of the roadmap I laid out for him in nineteen uh, was it, it was either nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. That roadmap basically wound up coming true with all the other scandals that broke and all the other things we've seen with PEDs. So I've kind of treaded both sides. I've been on the the basic retail side of fitness. What I say, I also work with them. Um, athletes and i've contributed to the new york post i've contributed to a national radio show on uh, fox sports radio i've appeared on outside the lines on espn and i'm in a book that one of the espn contributors wrote about uh, steroids and the high school level so i've got kind of a a diverse background and i'm I'm active in it and at any one time mike i was training uh and or working with youth to the to the d1 athletes so i had i have a pretty unique perspective that's wonderful. So strength and conditioning, what, what is the proper strength and conditioning 
you know, motto to follow. And, and really, for the athlete, is it all sports specific, right? I have to imagine that it changes from one sport to the next, but it, are there commonalities anywhere? Where are the differences from, you know, a tennis high school athlete to a college basketball athlete to a football player to a track star? I, I got to believe that a lot of stuff is sports specific, but then a lot of things inside the walls are really the same. Well, what's happened over the course, let's say I'm going to go back to my peer, my time in high school, which was in the seventies, um, where the difference was who was in the weight room versus who wasn't. So I saw teams that were in the weight room were better than teams that were doing nothing. So that was the de- delineation as weight training and training in general got more sophisticated. Um, that those brand, it all branched out, and I can give you the history of strength training in the United States. But what I will say, without going into that whole di- uh, digression, is the introduction of bodybuilding has ruined um, training for sports. And on top of that, the nine hundred pound or eight hundred pound gorilla in the room of football has also ruined the training for sports because we have a sport that has a unique set of requirements that has been used as the template for these other sports that have very little to do with uh, football. And in particular, we're talking baseball, but I work a ton of lacrosse, very similar. And the programs I see are interchangeable between those three sports, which should never be the case. Can I assume, can I assume that you're all in on, you know, kids being kids and playing all sports as opposed to these ridiculous, oh, my kid has to play basketball, you know, 24-7, 365, go to all the AU camps, uh, shoot all the time. No, go go, go play this sport. You know, go try, go grab a lacrosse stick, go do this, go golf, go whatever. Are you are you an all-sport, as many sport guy as, as possible, Sal? Absolutely, yeah. and I'm a big free, free play proponent, which means okay. go out and play. So, yeah. I have three boys. My older guy just graduated college. I wow. have twin boys who just graduated high school. Wow. They've been they've been in as, as involved of athletes as you can imagine. But, Mike, if I could tell you, if there was ten times the three of them together combined had gone out with their friends on a non-structured day to play a sport, I would say that was probably way over the number they actually did it. Hmm. Now, that's not including if they went out and did – you know, some individual skill work or worked out at the field. I'm talking about getting a group of buddies and going out and playing baseball or football or pick up hoops. So that's the big problem um, that's missing now. But it's, it's deeper than that. There's such a huge amount of dysfunction I see in young athletes. And I say that because my, my starting point is I do a basic movement evaluation um, that reveals to me their pros and their cons, their weaknesses, their strengths, their imbalances. One of the common themes I see are weak and poor range of motion in the foot and ankle, which basically sets up everything above it. So that that leads to most problems that you're going to get, except the problem is those problems don't come out until they're a little later. But the problem by that on top of it is the patterns have been set so you have this pretty complex system, us, that needs to be kind of retaught how to do very basic things. And in my opinion, we need to, if you, if you, I think you did hear that one podcast, we did, 
but I've said this every place. They got me in trouble at one of my Division One jobs. Take the team out of the weight room, treat everyone like they never touched the weight, and start from scratch. Hmm. And, and what I will say, Mike, is I went. To, I was the uh, on the lacrosse staff, and uh, I was the head strength and conditioning coach at a Division One college in New York, um, where we I was in charge of men's and women's lacrosse. Uh, men's and women's hoops, and I worked a little bit with the other teams because of their budgetary issues, uh, we stopped the weight room with our lacrosse team, and the athletic trainer at the school became my best friend because he never sold lacrosse players after I completely changed the, uh, the concept of what we were doing. It's movement, not muscles. It's not the weight room. It's how well you can move in 3D. So that's my philosophy, and I believe that works with everybody. Youth sports are, are absolutely out of control because of the parents. The parents, there are parents out there who think they know everything about the game while they're there. There's parents who think that Johnny or Susie should be playing every minute because it's their kid. And there's the, the parents who are way, way, way in another galaxy who think that their kid's going to be LeBron James or their kid's going to be Mike Trout. Um, it, it, come on, I mean, the, the percentile of people even making professional sports is extremely small. And then you have, uh, you know, things that are other factors, outside factors, even on top of that. How do we fix, from the crazy parent standpoint, youth sports? Well, I think it's a it's a double whammy. We have the coach, uh, I'm sorry, the club, the club environment with the club coaches that's profit-driven with the parent and the ability for the club to take advantage of the, the syndrome that you kind of mentioned with people, parents thinking certain things about their kids. And you just fall, parents fall into the trap. I mean, I have seen it with parents where I'm sitting there on one time telling them that their kids shouldn't be playing baseball all year round. And then at the same time, they go on to tell me the kid's schedule, which is summer league baseball into fall baseball into winter baseball into spring baseball. Hmm. So the, the parents have to, I don't know how you do it because, the, like, if the toothpaste's out of the tube, the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah, because they're out of control, right? I mean, my God, it's out of control. Yeah, it's out of control. I mean, we—I had this discussion with my older boy because I was fortunate to have been through the college recruiting process in lacrosse, and I will tell you that most parents that have kids that go to college that even get money to play lacrosse are not getting back the money they spent in those summer tournaments. So, you know, what's your return on investment there? Um, You know, I'm working with a group that is attempting in the lacrosse space to kind of get people to realize, parents to realize the gift that their kid has and how to kind of protect that a little bit better and how to better uh, position your kid to go to the school or kind of school you want them to go to rather than say, we're going to play sports and go to wherever the school is that wants them. And I, I don't think you have to be, you know, I know plenty of kids who went to schools just to go there because they were wanted for sports. If you have a young boy or a young girl, they've never played sports before, but they're getting into it. And I don't care what age it is. I, I mean, my kid's a toddler. She's in these little, you know, uh, uh, little soccer classes and all that. Okay, fine. You, know, you start them at a young age. Maybe they start at four or five. They, you know, they start to figure things out. They start to like things, dislike things, lose interest quickly or gain interest quickly. Uh, whatever the case may be, five-year-old, two-year-old, eight-year-old, 12-year-old, what sport do you think on the male side and the female side is the easiest to just start playing? 
Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the, if that's if it's easy or hard. I think you have a lot of barriers for entry depending on your family situation. Um, you know, any sport obviously that has a high equipment, you know, requirement is tough. But sure. I, I think any of the field sports are great. I think lacrosse, soccer are fantastic sports for kids. I think if we talk about the female side of things with the Title IX opportunities, if you can get your your daughter into a, a into a couple of these sports that are dying for athletes, um, you're going to have a great chance of it, of having them get money in school. And at the end yeah. of the day, you want to have them do something that's fun and that can benefit them. I know for a fact there are um, D2 track programs that may not be able to have uh, the normal amount of male pole vaulters because they can't get female pole vaulters. They can't even get them. Never mind get somebody at a certain level that's going to compete. They can't even get someone to participate that would allow them to have the numbers uh, to play. So I think track and field is a a tremendous uh, sport to get kids into. If you look at, uh, you know, I'm a big NFL fan, even though I think football, there's a lot of negatives to it. I'm a football coach. I'm at my core you know, football is what I love, and I've become, to, I've become or come to love lacrosse. All the best athletes are the guys who have track backgrounds. If you watch the combine, For sure. those guys who are blazers, yep. nine times out of ten, they have a track background. Yep. So, especially if you're in a town that has a track pedigree. I, I was fortunate in the town I grew up in, Milburn, New Jersey. We had one of the legendary track coaches uh, of all time, that was our high school track coach and our phys ed teacher in middle school and high school who became our AD. I still use stuff with my clients that I did with him in the se- in the seventies. I graduated high school in nineteen eighty. So there's stuff that you can't get away from that that true track coach will help. And if you become a baseball player, a basketball player. Any other field sport player, the fact that you've had a track background is going to help you. And I'll give you one little thing, one little tidbit here. Your sprint, how you sprint dictates everything else in how you move. So if you're a crappy sprinter, you're not going to be good with agility. I don't care how many times you practice the cone drill and the pro agility drill. If your sprint form is poor, all your other movement is going to be poor. So we're not as good as it should be. So track is, the, I would say, the top one. Final thing I wanted to dive into was the podcast that you guys did really dove deep. And again, we're talking with Sal Marinello here on the ML Sports Platter, uh, coaching fitness for years and years and years, 30-plus uh, years of experience, an expert to say the least, at Sal Marinello on Twitter. Um, you guys talked at length about the fundamentals and the teaching, instruction, etc., in Major League Baseball, and even, obviously, at the lower levels. I see Mr. Met as a cover photo on your Twitter profile. I'm assuming you're a big-time Mets fan. Um, Can can you dive into just, I guess, your perspective, the combination of the strength and conditioning part and the teaching part, coaching part, and the baseball fan part? You know, kind of blend those things in together and why you are frustrated with the game of baseball today. Because let's be honest, you could be your age, my age, probably not a lot of years in between there. Uh, you could be 10 years, it doesn't matter. If you love the game of baseball, this is not the baseball you know. Right. Well, I, 
Look, I start. I think uh, a big part of, of the problem, and it's a perception, is the terms we use for certain things. So I've gotten away from using strength and conditioning for a couple of reasons. I think it's a nod to people who look at strength and conditioning and think football or weightlifting. And really what, what I do, and I think people who are in my field should do, it's much more than that. So I look at it as, I call it athletic development. As a matter of fact, my company is athletic development coaching slash athletic development concepts. So, because that's what we're in the business of doing, Mike. I'm, my job is to develop athletes. Uh, and that's how you do it by working fundamentals. And it's a great, baseball is a great jumping off point because so many fundamental things that are done wrong in the game are because of poor movement fundamentals. So I spend a lot of time, I love watching sport. I could watch film all day. I will watch a, 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 any baseball game and someone will try to leg, a, leg it from first to third or beat it out of the box to try to beat out a base hit. I love to video their running form and I'll send it to Kevin or one of the other guys on our cast and say, look at how poorly this guy runs. This is an elite athlete, and every step, it was, I believe it was Machado on the, on the Padres who had that grisly-looking ankle twist at first base. Every step he took from the time he left the batter's box until he uh, uh, turned his ankle was, was terrible. Mm-hmm. So, And it goes back uh, to what we talked about earlier. There's, there's a lack of fundamentals because... So many of these club sports and summer sports, you're just going out and playing. You're not coaching. Um, Kevin was talking about uh, the White Sox. Uh, Tony LaRusso was told by the training staff for their kids, kids, for their players not to run hard to first base because so many of them were getting hurt. Well, the problem is they don't run hard when they're training. So you're going out and you're, you're doing something in training and then there's no uh, – no um, specificity to what you're doing in your your event. So you just a couple of the things you're seeing right there. It's fundamental movements are poor, so these guys are getting hurt. No other sport do I know where where, where do you see in basketball a guy get hurt, hurt his wrist taking a jump shot? You know, baseball players get hurt throwing, swinging the bat, and running. So that to me says there's something wrong with their with their fundamentals of training as well as their fundamentals of the sport because you can't have you can't have poor fundamentals in one thing and have good fun- fundamentals in the other having said all that you got to be pumped up about your Mets right I mean my goodness as we record this episode Jacob deGrom is going to make a triple a uh, start for the Syracuse Mets about I don't know t- 12 minutes away from where I'm sitting uh there there's a lot of hope there it's a different team they've got new ownership uh, Cohen's blowing money. They've got almost a $300 million payroll. Uh, second half, Scherzer and DeGrom should be together. Uh, the lineup looks really good, and Buck Showalter has changed everything there with the buck ball and all the rest. you got to be pretty pretty stoked. I, I think that, that could be a team that could end up in the World Series. So. Mike, uh, you aware of being a Mets fan is never being too optimistic. I understand. So, I'm, uh, a Buffalo, I'm a Buffalo sports yeah, fan, so I'm with you on that front. I get I've it. I've watched yeah. more than I've watched in years. You know, I, I, I know a little bit more about what's going on. I always joke that, you know, I was a lapsed baseball fan for a lot of years just because, you know, it wasn't fun to watch. Right. But, yeah, I, I, I think they've seemingly done the right thing. And I think, you know, again, to go back to our podcast, and Kevin and Dave are so tied into what this analytics trend has done to the game. And apparently from what I can gather from them is that Buck Showalter is a little more old-time baseball 
with some of the new analytics, which mm-hmm. seems to be a good combination. So I think he was much needed, and I think it's it's great to see. You know, it's great to see a guy like that. As as now that I'm an older guy, it's great to see an older guy coming out and having success, and hopefully can, like you said, get the team to the World Series. It'll be great to have another Subway Series. Well, this has been amazing. I knew it would be. Sal Marinello, go catch him on the Coach and Kernan podcast. A ton of experience, 30-plus years across strength and conditioning, across coaching, uh, youth to professional. He's debunking myths on a daily basis and uh, coaching athletes uh, at every level. Uh, super accomplished, and we'll try to get him back on here in due time and get him on Twitter as well, at Sal Marinello. Sal, this was amazing. Continued success your way. Keep up the great work on the podcast, and uh, we'll chat down the line, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me anytime. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and it's all good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.